Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me in the studio, we've got uh, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm pretty good. It's good to be back. I feel like it's been a little while. I don't think it hasn't. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's, the it season just started, really. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the classic seasons actually is just started. That's when we get excited. Well, it's just started, but everything is just around the corner. So. Absolutely. I'm, I'm Expectation. Yeah. And look who's with us in the studio, Simon Gunn. How are you, Simon? I'm really well, Christoph. And it has been a while since I've been in here with you guys. It's true. Yeah. I'm thinking it's been... back. It's been a couple of years. Well, <laughs> I mean, how's it been? You have settled back into Australia now. Are you... Are you already? Are you trying to find your way a bit? Do you get lost on training rides, or what's going on? Has Melbourne changed that much? Melbourne hasn't changed that much, and I'm not doing too many training rides that I get lost on because I'm not venturing that far from home on my on my <laughs> bike anymore. But um, it's nice to be back. So we got back. Uh, my family and I got back in the country um, October of last year. Went through the whole uh, quarantine period, had a couple of weeks in a hotel, and got back to Melbourne sort of uh, around November. And since then, we've sort of trying to be settling settle in as best we can. Add, add another baby. Uh, I was going to say four. F- How first, many more? Are you chasing Jens Void or what's but, the? Can what's we the ca- can we count the quarantine? <laughs> 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 no, but in all seriousness, congratulations. Yeah. It's a bit. Oh, now how old's the baby? Uh, he's eight weeks now. Eight now, weeks, yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Absolutely. Yenzi, you'll be shaking in his boots, I think. <laughs> uh, no, there's a few in front of me there. I think Chris Boardman had about six kids, as did, did Yenzi. So, no, I'm not uh, I'm not chasing that kind of record. I think uh, I think we can happily park it up for. <laughs> okay. Rana might have something to say about that. We'll see. I think she's on my. I think we're on the same page there. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have uh, cycling to talk about. Uh, but first of all, I mean, you're back in the country. Uh, you're also involved with L'Etape. L'Etape, is, uh, L'Etape Australia is just around the corner. Uh, you've been an ambassador for them. What, what, what is your role with L'Etape? Because you also have this uh, uh, podcast with Matthew Kinnan as well. Yeah, that's right. So L'Etape Australia is coming up in just a couple of weeks now. Um, I'm an ambassador for the event. Uh, it was planned for November of last year, but obviously it got, uh, got postponed mm-hmm. and pushed back to, to March of this year. So it's a fantastic loop up uh, starting in Kayama in New South Wales. It's an event now. It's been running for a number of years, but this is the first time they're hosting it out of Kayama. I was up there just a couple of weeks ago. And it is an absolutely beautiful part of the world. So I'm really looking forward to the ride. Absolutely. And then uh, you and I, Micah, we're travelling there, COVID permitting. Do I, are uh, we travelling together? Uh, you've got your ticket. I haven't got mine yet, but uh, that's a, just a matter sort of days. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I'm dri- am I driving you, though? You from are the driving airport? me. Okay. So right. but maybe we'll see if we can bring the GoPro to bring the, the people on the journey <sighs> with us. I knew, I knew you had something <laughs> going on. Yet. No, yeah. but I'm excited. Last year was a great event. Oh. I really enjoyed it last year. Uh, but this year is a new place. And can, if I'll just second what... Simon's saying, and yes, of course, we're we're promoting it. Yeah, but Kayama and that area, it is off the charts for riding. It's I've I'd ridden around there with a with a charity group, but you know, Chain Reaction previously. It is mint roads, and it's unexpected. Actually, it's almost it's so green. You sort of don't expect it to be so green up there. I expect it to be dry, but mm-hmm. you get up into the sort of hills out the back of Kangaroo so, Valley. It's lovely compared to Jindabyne in terms of the actual riding. How would you compare? I'd, I will say it's better. better. 
Jindabyne's different because you've got um, Kosciuszko, Charlotte's mm. Pass. So you've actually got a, a proper major sort of mountain coal, if you like. Whereas Kangaroo Valley, Kayama, it's more rolling hills. There is a climb. But, There's a um, couple of climbs. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's just beautiful. It's it? quite a challenging parkour. It's not a, it's not unachievable. Like mm. it's a it's a difficult parkour. But I think with a little bit of preparation, it, it'll be achievable for everybody. But it's tough. It's mm. up and down. It's really hilly. And an area that it really reminds me of after being abroad for so many years is actually the Basque Country. Okay. Yes, it's rolling. There's some steep climbs. It's beautiful and green along the coastline. It it is it is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Is there still time to get ready for it? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, electric bikes, mate. As long as you can plug in <laughs> somewhere along the route, you'll be fine. That's Maybe a bit I'll... of an inside joke because I actually not prepared for it, so I'm not riding it. <laughs> no, he actually does have an electric bike. Well, you can. You can ride an electric bike I know, on, I know. on the shorter distance. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we can find a don't, spot for you no, there, Chris. Don't encourage him. Stop encouraging him. <laughs> okay, let's talk cycling. Yes. Uh, and then we come back to you, uh, Gero, in a second about uh, what your new life uh, looks back here. But uh, there's been some racing happening, mm. and we love it. We, we do, don't we? The opening classic, it's probably, well, I think if you love the classics and the northern classics in uh, Belgium and Holland. Uh, who, uh, doesn't? Who, yeah, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Did, disp- did you race any of these early ones, like Het Newsblad or Het Volk? Did no, you ever do those? No, I didn't. I didn't. There was generally some racing uh, a little further south um, yeah. that I'd focus on, more of the hillier stuff. Get you ready for the Ardennes. Yeah, really to get ready for Ardennes, leading into races like Paris-Nice. So I never, I never competed in open weekend. But you'll... As a, as someone on the sidelines or sitting at home watching it, Het Newsblad, I mean, it's one of those races you just love to watch. It's like a mini version of Flanders. Yep. So it's got a bit of everything. So we had that, the men's and the women. And then, of course, we had KBK, Kern Brussel Kern, yep. on the Sunday. But on Up Newsblad, uh, world champion wins for the women. World yes. champion doesn't win for the men. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm spewing about it. No, he's all right. Don't worry about Alaphilippe. He's got bigger fish to fry. We'll get Simon's Yeah, but that was one of his targets. He said it. He wants to win this one. Well, said he's it from the... getting a bit greedy, isn't he, mate? Just worry about not putting your hands up too early <laughs> in Liège, all right? He's Simon, having, he's having maybe, a baby. Actually, maybe ring Gero for some <laughs> advice on that. <laughs> uh, but, no, it was a good weekend. Uh, Davide Ballerini, the Koenig Quick Step. So they strike first blood uh, actually, of the Belgian yeah, let, teams. Let's have a chat about, about them. The Koenig Quick Step. How good are they on those type of classic? They've been dominating for, for many years now, and they are, again, showing strength this year from where the world go. Yeah, and they're a team that are absolute specialists in these races. No one knows those roads better than those guys, the, 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 the directors in that team, and they really pitch their whole team around, around the, the spring in Belgium. Um, you know, they don't have a standout GC rider and they just put all their emphasis on these races and it shows every year they're the team that generally wins the most races and they dominate this classics period. And just just give us an insight. I mean, you'll know this a bit more just from recent times and recently retired. How important for De Kernic Quick Step, Lotto, Sudal, those Belgian teams, because a lot of our, our listeners, uh, it's the big focus obviously is the Tour de France yep. in July. But for these teams, the classics are right up there in terms of a priority, in terms of the season for sponsors, et cetera, yeah? Yeah, I think the only way we can compare it to an Australian audience, and especially probably more so in Victoria, for them, it's like their AFL season, okay? Every day, the cyclists are in the newspapers, and mm-hmm. there's a whole segment of cycling, on cycling in the newspapers. These guys up there, they are big stars. They, they are recognised in the street, um, everywhere they go, and they are, you know, 
there's so much emphasis on on these races for them and their teams and their sponsors. So this is where they really get their value, mm. uh, the sponsors up there. Yeah, and obviously Het Newsblood is the local paper of, of Ghent, of, of that region. So it's oh, been Ghent. sponsored Remember by the Ghent? paper. I know. <laughs> You're a fan, aren't you? Ah, you are I, a fan. I moved there in a, in a, in a flash. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, we it we had a bit of holiday uh, before yeah. the tour two years romantic, ago. Romantic three-day yeah. getaway. Well, <laughs> name it the way you want. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it's, it's such a particular time in uh, in 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 that part of of the world. But looking at Quick Step, when you look at the roster they've got, is the roster really geared towards this? But you got guys like Evenepoel coming back as well. Are they willing to make a, a, a switch to a more GC, a more winning big races, uh, like three week races, long like multiple week races? Do you think in in the long term or not? No, I don't think they are. No. I don't think they are. They have a couple of standout sprinters in the team, and you can kind of see when they take a, a a team to the Tour de France, they're really hedging their bets. They're going with a sprinter. They're going with a guy like Alaphilippe, who's got GC ambitions. They have other riders there who want to win stages. So to be a an out and out GC team, they really need to commit to that wholeheartedly. So quid of Cavendish, is he in the right place or not with Duke and Quistep? Oh, I think Cavendish, in, in all honesty, and I think uh, most people agree with me here, his best days are behind him. Yeah. But I we think said, we he's, said washed well. yeah. he's washed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your phrase, not mine. Um, he's not listening to this podcast anymore. So, <laughs> No, you, ca- you, you can't take anything away from, from Cavendish's yeah. performances over the years, but you could safely say his best years are, are behind him. But I think what it looks as though he's found a team there that he's going to be really happy in to ride out his last years as a professional. Mm. Um, he had some fantastic... Uh, success when he was in the, in that uh, in that team previously, um, so for him I think it's 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 a really nice what would be a really nice send off. Mm-hmm. I mean the, the other side is he obviously is still loving it. You know firsthand you get to a point in your career you've been that successful, you start to sort of go off the edge of the cliff if you like, and you go you know what I'm done. No matter no matter how much money a team wants to pay me, I'm, I'm mentally and sort of physically I'm, I'm done with the rigors of the sport. He obviously is still in love with the sport. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to admit he's nowhere near probably the level and he'll never get back to that level that we knew Mark Cavendish as one of the greatest sprinters. But to be still wanting to front up at one-day classics at tours, he's got the passion. Yeah, you can't take that away from him. And there's a few riders that you can sort of see that they really hit their peak of their career quite a few years before they stop. But they want to keep racing their bikes. They keep signing up. And it's funny because you see these guys in races and they're getting absolutely belted. Mm. Like it doesn't look like fun at no. all, but they sign up again. They yeah. just love being in. They <laughs> love being. Greifel you know, is one. Yeah, yeah. Greifel's another guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think Greifel, Greifel has probably um, refocused his energies a little bit. You can see him getting involved in lead outs. You see him mentoring the younger He's guys. He's transitioned in the team. a bit, hasn't he? He has transitioned yeah. in, 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 uh, within his role in the team. But can Cavendish do this? Or it's not, it's personal. He's, he's here to enjoy the last few years and then that's it. Well, I think Cavendish is an out and out winner. You yeah. can see he gets, like, I was never teammates with Cavendish, but I was quite close with a number of guys that were. And you can see he is just tears himself apart when he doesn't win or when it doesn't go right. Um, so whether he has the capabilities of changing roles within the team and, and, and leading out or being uh, more of a mentor to the younger guys, I'm not quite sure, so sure. Okay, let's go back to um, Newsblood. There's been a, a bit of a chatter on Twitter. I know we get our sources a lot on, on mm. Twitter, I do. Uh, but when you look at uh, that, that particular trend, there was a discussion about the prize money mm. uh, between men and women. Can we talk about this, Maka? Well, but it's like broken record, isn't it? Yep. You and I have discussed all things. Uh, but there's that, a bit more to this one. Yeah, to well... It, there is, yes, there is. There's two sides to it. So 
the first side is that the men's winner received 14,000 euros, or thereabouts, close enough. Uh, the women's winner was 900, is that 936, correct? I think, or something. I mean, that exactly. is, in anyone's books, that's pretty average. That's pretty average. So there's a massive discrepancy there in prize money. However, Flanders Classics, the people who organise Het Newsblad, Tour of Flanders, again, Wivelgum, so they're a big group. They organise a lot of bike races. They have been supporting women's cycling now for a number of years in, in terms of putting on a women's version of mm-hmm. the main event, if Way you before like. ASO has been doing it Way before any race organisers. Yeah, yeah. And this year oh, they pledged to, they, they, they showed live coverage. I believe it was only the last 35 kilometres, but it was the first time they've done that. And they pumped about 100,000 euros into that. So it's chicken and egg. I think, I think the three of us here you disagree or tell me what you think. I think we all agree we want to see that prize money mm-hmm. level out and be even. But if you try and do it overnight, a lot of these race organisers and racers will fall over because it costs a lot of money. So let's just not be too quick. Let's let's dig a bit deeper before we criticise. But again, they did cop it. And again, it's three guys talking about this. There's, we have got no woman rider to talk about this. No, uh, that's to, right. To Look, it'd so be, so we would have been great to get Bridie's... Yeah. Um, um, Opinion, opinion on, on this, this. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of, uh, I think, Gero, you said this is that it's it's the minimum of the UCI yes. wages. Well, right? the women's version is actually, I could be wrong, but I believe it's uh, one level below. So the men's version, it's like a one point pro race or whatever they call it these days. The women's head news blade is actually a level lower. So the minimum prize money is less. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know. Well, I think it's worth uh, looking at, yeah, that thing, that, that exactly. The fact that, the race organisers, they, they, the, the, the prize money was the minimum amount required for yeah. both the men's and the women's. Yeah. So if you actually want to have a look at the discrepancy in, in prize money, maybe it's more of a UCI issue than, than a race yeah. organiser issue. And you know, there are a number of races that have made equal prize money for men's and women's. And I really tip my hat to the, to the organisers that do that. I think that should be standard. It mm. should be all races should be that way inclined. Um, so you do focus on the positives. And I think if with all those women's teams, if they had said, what would you prefer, more prize money or actually your, your race broadcast yeah. on TV, they're all going to go for the broadcast. Is that the big picture That's issue? a good point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because that we know, well, we like to think that eventually will bring more money. Exactly. To, to the, Absolutely. To well, let sport. us know what you think. Uh, of course, I know you will on Twitter yeah. <laughs> and on Facebook, but please uh, let us know what you uh, what you think on this matter. It's uh, probably a subject that is not going to go away anyway, and there's more women racing coming up as well with the Paris-Roubaix again, uh, and then the Women's Tour de France as well uh, next year. Uh, so this is it's a, it's a recurrent subject. We, mm. we have uh, you and I in this yes, podcast. Yes. Uh, two of UAE as well happened. How good is this bloke? Uh, Pogacar has won it. I mean, he had to because he was home, not from the country, but the team, UAE, uh, and the two of UAE. Um, there was no other way this way, but how good is he? Well, uh, are you impressed by Pogacar? Yeah. You, you followed him last year at the Tour de France uh, and his incredible win. Is he a guy that impresses you if you were riding against him this I, year? I'm in awe of the guy. I'm, I'm super impressed by this young this young rider. I was actually in contact quite a lot with Neil Stevens last mm-hmm. year when he was his director there at UAE, and he was singing his praises from from a long way out and say, saying how much ability and how much how nice a young guy this yeah, this Pogacar is. He's super humble. He's super uh, grateful for for all the work that everyone does for him, and to see him line up in that UAE tour with the big pressure of being mm. a Tour de France uh, de- defending champion and, and being their home race, to back that up and win it. And you couldn't fault him. Like, he was strong in the mountains. 
He was strong in the time trial. He didn't miss a beat in the in the crosswind. He is a complete rider at just what is he now? Like twenty two. Twenty two. So he turns. He'll turn twenty three. He turned twenty two the day after the tour finished. Yep. But of course, it was a bit later last year. The but question the, the is, way the way he controlled that race as well on multiple stages, yeah. he controlled it super, like with extreme maturity for twenty two well, years old. Well, he's learning already, isn't he? Yeah. Remember, he lost that time in the crosswind last year with Richie. And then yep. obviously he, he dominated that final TT, uh, La Planche de Valfi, but he's, he's going to be a little bit better this year, isn't yep. he? And, yep. and I know I hate to sort of, you know, go the crystal ball, how many tours can he win, but what can what will this guy, be? in 10 years' time, will we be looking back at a guy that potentially hits the mark of but five actually, tours? Actually, uh, question for you, Gero. From now for him is what's happening between the two years because he's already reached the pinnacle so early winning the tour. And is do you think it's in ahead of someone like Pogacar? In he's already thinking how many I can win, or is he already thinking, well, okay, next year I'm going to defend the tour, or this year I'm going to defend the tour, but then I want to win the Vuelta, I want to win the Giro, I want to win everything. Well, without knowing him personally, I don't know what his approach is going to be, you know, for the seasons to come. But like I said, he's a very humble guy, and I think he just looked like he took the Tour de France in his stride mm. uh, last year. So. There's no reason, uh, in in my opinion, why he can't back up and and potentially win again this this coming tour and and for many years to come. And I think it's worth noting, like last year at the Tour de France, there were a few things that evolved. The day that he did lo- lose some uh, some time in the crosswind, he was caught up in a crash just before that, so he got caught a little bit out of position uh, when Team Ineos really uh, really started to break the race up. So he lost some time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of people. They just sort of wrote him off at that point. He's lost time. We don't have to worry about him anymore. And it gave him a little bit of liberty in the mountains. Mm. He was able to jump up the road and take a few seconds back here and there. He's not getting any liberty moving forward. It yeah. doesn't matter what happens. If he loses a bit of a time in a crash or some crosswind, they're still not going to let him go up the road. And they're so, going to ride harder to Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to win. isolate him whenever they can. Yeah. So he's going to be a very, very closely watched rider from here on. It's, yeah. it's, but but yeah. they're building the team as well, though. Like Mark Hirschi has joined that team, for example. So they, they are getting a bit of a thicker skin, I guess, in that team as well for him. Yeah. Well, they're definitely recruiting some talent. Whether Mark Hershey is the right, he's obviously a super young talent, and we've seen some of his performances in last mm-hmm. year's tour and and off the back of the tour, um, he's obviously you know a, a really a rider for the future as well. But he is he the best guy to recruit for the to the team to support Pogaccio on the Tour de France? I'm not quite so mm, sure. Yeah, I yeah I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say no. He's not, but. Question mark. But yeah. let's let's pause for a second on, on this. What is ahead of us in the next few years? Pogacar, Wood van Aert, Van der Poel, Evenepoel. I mean, how exciting cycling can actually be in the next year or so. Well, and then just to go back. Yeah, just four names top of my head. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and just to go back to the De Kernick quick step thing and the classics. And then, you know, do they ever want to or would they put a rider for the GC? Evenepoel, he gets going. Surely Lefebvre and the sponsors and the Belgian public are going to start saying, come on, this kid can win the Tour de France one day. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so for him because if that's the way he's the direction his career is going to go, and he's still such a young young rider, mm. like he's it could go any direction for him at this stage. He might turn around and and focus on the classics because he's he's Belgian and that's what they're so passionate about, or he might sort of revert back to I want to be a GC rider because he's obviously a phenomenal time trialist, obviously a very very strong climber. Um, but I think only time will tell. Yeah, it, it, but uh, how much of a cr- sorry, Michael, yeah. but how much of a crush, such a heavy crush he had relatively earlier on in his career could define the way 
the next few years go for him. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about, again, between the years. No, I think he'll move on from, yeah. from pretty quickly. There's one thing that cyclists are, are pretty good at, particularly younger guys. It's moving on from setbacks and crashes and things like that. You have to get back on your bike. You have to just set new goals and refocus very quickly. And you know he's in a he's in a team full of winners, and he's going to want to get back up there and and be winning races again very soon. Which uh, I haven't actually looked, but is he down for one of the Grand Tours? I think he's he's hopeful for the Giro. Ah, so he wants uh, to they haven't get back done to the, the roster, Giro. Yeah, but he he really wants to uh, to go back to the Giro yeah. ASAP. And wow. they, 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 he's been saying I'm like. You know, I'm, I'm sort of ready for the Giro, but I'm not sure the roster is out. Another question I had for you, actually, the return of Chris Froome uh, and the new outfit, Israel and stuff. How do you rate him this year and what he's been showing so far on the way back up? Well, I didn't see his results at the UAE tour, but... Um... Can I step in? Good question. Thank the, you. <laughs> the last hill stage, I believe he finished with the front group. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think that would be great for his confidence and for the confidence in the team around him um obviously so much hype about chris Froome. He's a, he's a legend in the sport he's taken a big leap of faith to go to a whole new to new organization um so there's going to be a lot of focus on on him in that team and he's going to be setting the example so the fact that he's performing and he's showing a, a good progression um is great for that organization and for chris Froome. it's still weird to see him in those colors though like uh, visually yes <laughs> who and, and let's just strip away whatever our roles in cycling I'd love to see him absolutely come and win the tour this year. Absolutely, oh, oh, I don't be, know why. Be in the battle, be in the battle of yeah, at least be in the battle. Absolutely. And I mean, he's he's still chasing number five, isn't he? Like these young guys, we love them. They're, and uh, Pogacar, uh, Evenepoel, if he gets going this year in the in the G, in the Grand Tours. But I'd love to see Froome Dog. I'd love to see him get number five. And people have written him off. You know, he's got. You love it. an underdog story, don't well, you? Yeah. I do, I do. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. And, he, and he's, yeah. that's what he is now, isn't he? Yeah. Three years ago, we wanted him to be beaten. Mm. Probably everyone did. It didn't mean you disliked him. You just wanted, you wanted to see more competition. He was winning quite easily. Now I want him to win again. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a guy, you know, we saw him come from come from behind and win the Giro mm. a couple of years ago. So he knows how to win. Yeah. And he's a fighter and he will go, he will fight tooth and nail uh, to get results. How uh, old is he this year? He's around your vintage. No, he's, no, he's, he's not as old there. as me. He's not <laughs> as old as me, mate. No, um, yeah, I think he's in his mid-30s. He's 30, I think he's 36. I reckon I he's 36. He'd be, one of, he'd be one of the oldest winners post, um, post-war, definitely. Cadell was or is. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, I think it, that's that's going to be a tough task yeah. for, for for him. There's so many young, talented guys coming through now. Um, there's a whole new wave of of GC contenders that he has to deal with. Mm. But just, I mean, I'm with you, Michael, on this. Just because of of the fact that he had this leap of faith and went out of the comfort zone to sort of rebuild the end of his career. Just for that, you want him to actually have a bit of success mm. around that. Yes, absolutely. You do. You do. Absolutely. We'll see. He's exciting, though, isn't yeah. he? Very exciting. Well, let's talk about you, Gero. Uh, what you've been doing here? You've got a nice uh, Servius Course uh, T-shirt on you, or uh, that's that's your new that's your, that's your new life. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, since uh, finishing racing there at the end of 2018, um, I feel like life's just got busier. Actually, everyone sort of says you're going to stop from racing. It's going to be a bit of quiet time, and that's what I was sort of anticipating. But it was quite the the contrary. I, went, I moved to London uh, with my family. I worked at uh, at a bank there at Goldman Sachs there for 12 months, um, and sort of had some fantastic experience in in a corporate environment. And then I sort of got recruited to to work with uh, with the service course, which is a business that I'd, I'd previously invested in. 
So my role initially at the service course was an operations type role. And over the past, uh, around, you know, four or five months ago, actually moved into the the chief exec role of the, of the business. So running that now, um, really enjoying the challenge of that, loving being back involved in, in the sport again. I'll bet my role is obviously not so much at a sporting level, it's at a, at a business level. Um, so it's been a fantastic challenge. Obviously, you know, a turbulent time to get involved in any small business uh, with the past 12 months or so. But um, yeah, running the service course now and... Uh, and you know, enjoying the challenge. It's, it's there's two types or two parts of the business, or maybe a few more parts. But it's, you've got bricks and mortar, which, as you say, challenging in a COVID time. And then obviously you have online as well. But it's essentially a sort of bike shop, hmm. and you've got multiple shops sort of around the world. How how give us sort of. A, I guess the pitch of, of what the business is. Okay, so what the service course is, it's sort of as the name alludes, and anyone sort of within cycling will know where the, what their service course is for any, any, any team. It's basically the hub of the team. It's where, you know, the, the base of the team is and everything is run out of that one location. And it was actually a former teammate of mine, Christian Meyer, who created the business in about 2016. Um, and he created a builder shop in Girona, where he was based, because um, he could he'd lived there for a number of years, and he could see how popular the cycling scene was becoming in Girona. And he thought all these people coming to Girona, they need somewhere to go where they can get a massage, where they can do a guided bike ride, where they can rent a bike, where they can you know use a bike workshop, um, a good retail business where they can buy parts or clothes or anything like that. And that was basically the trigger point in starting the business. He ran the business there for a few years before he took some investment in and opened another couple of stores. So at this point in time, we they had the original store in, in Girona in Spain. We also have one in the UK, which is in a place called Wilmslow, just south of Manchester, which is a, a really uh, hot spot for cycling. We have another store in, in Oslo, uh, in, in, in Norway, and we're only a couple of weeks are opening uh, a store in France as well, in Nice. So we have, uh, we'll soon to be four locations, um, big part of the business is our is our retail outlets uh, across a lot of the locations we also have a food and beverage offering so there's a cafe attached to it as well and traditionally there's been a big part of a big part of the business has been our travel offering where we'll host guests from all over the world mostly hub based so mostly from our shops we'll organize some guided rides for them um, with a few international trips as well Obviously, the last 12 months or so, the travel side of the business has been very difficult. Uh, we haven't been hosting any trips. However, the other elements of our of our business has really taken off in line with the theme of so many people riding bikes. So mm. we're seeing a lot of bike sales and our e-commerce uh, store. So our web sales have really skyrocketed, which has been great for the business. Mm. So, yeah, that's not a legend. We, we saw this in the news, but that's not a legend. The, the, the bike industry is really shooting up in this COVID era. All yeah, in. Yeah, all in. Yeah, yeah. We, there's more and more people riding bikes. And, and, and to one thing I really noticed when I first moved back to Melbourne a few months ago is just how many more people are riding bikes here now. Um, and that's from riding down the, the, the popular routes like Beach Road to bypass. To, you'll be at the back of, of nowhere riding your bike thinking you'll have the road to yourself and you'll see big groups going past. So there are a lot of people riding bikes. And I think, you know, we're enjoying the, the first wave of that with people buying new bikes, buying clothes. Um, and, and online shopping, the next wave is these people will be travelling as well, and we really hope that, uh, that you know, they come and, and come and see us at the service course. Yeah, and so just settle the debate, your views on the electric bikes. Oh, no, I, you, know, you, know, you know, I'm just giving you a stick. I love electric bikes. I know. I, know. I think they're great. Yeah, I think they're fantastic. Do you guys sell them? No, we don't sell no. electric bikes. But the, I imagine you 
you'd be looking at selling them in the future? Well, I think it's a whole new area of the market. Yeah. So the bikes that we uh, sort of sell at the service course are more custom bikes. Um, the bikes that I ride, for example, I have a Bastion, which we sell at the service course, which is a, a, a custom bike. Uh, out of Melbourne. Yeah. Out, of, yeah. out of Melbourne. Carbon and titanium 3D printing. That's right. We also have a, a number of steel builders. So um, our other bike that I just received is a Speedwagon, which is built out of the US. We have a couple of builders out in, in Barcelona, uh, some titanium builders in, in Mosaic, which is the US. We also have Curve, which are out oh, of yeah. Melbourne. So we have quite a quite a range of beautiful um, handmade bikes that we sell it's, from there. It's from amazing the how you, Christoph, got me onto this doco on the GCN app, yep. Columbus. It was, and you, you raved about it. You said, oh, get on there, on. there's all these docos, they're awesome. And I was just like, oh, jeepers, I've seen a that million and one docos, cycling yeah. docos. However, it was it was a beautiful sort of story. Absolutely. Wasn't it? The Columbus uh, tubing story, if you're not sure what I meant by that. So it's Columbus is, you know, Columbus and Reynolds were two of the main sort of frame, um, not builders, tubing suppliers, I should mm-hmm. say, two frame builders. But yeah, have you seen it? The, no, the but I, it's I, brilliant. I did download it after we, we chatted yeah. about it the other day. But just on steel bikes, and it's like I've had some steel bikes. You know, my first ever road bike back when I was, you know, uh, just a kid was a steel bike. And I bought a vintage bike uh, a couple of years ago to do the classic Heroic. It was an old Tomasini again, obviously a steel bike. But I had, I'd never had a modern steel bike until literally last weekend when I received a, a new gravel bike. And steel bikes are amazing. Yeah. Like, I was so impressed with how agile and how well this new steel bike of mine rode. So it's, 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 it's enjoying a massive resurgence, I think. And it's uh, no doubt the technology and science, they would have made little tweaks, improvements of, you know, the, the steel bikes from what we were racing on years ago to, to now. Incidentally, I rode in this morning. There's a Tomasini parked outside. I was looking at the lock, seeing if I could pick it. <laughs> I'm not joking. There's a Tomasini. I thought, I thought you were in the Peugeot, the old Peugeot vintage. Oh, I wish I had that. I wish I still had that. Just, just on that. Finally, though, uh, well, yesterday morning or two mornings ago, I was out early with a group, and Bicycle Network were doing their annual Super Tuesday. Absolutely. This, which is, did you, you would have seen it? Well, the, the guy was sitting in front of my house right. <laughs> at the corner where I oh, live. Wow. He was sit, doing the count in a blue chair. Yeah, yeah, so they're situated right across Melbourne. Yeah. They've been doing this for a number of years. A lot of the time you'll see them on all the bike path intersections. They're just counting numbers. Mm. So they, they're getting the stats each year. And then they from that, they work out, right, we need to do more work on this infrastructure here or we need to implement more bike paths here because there's so many cyclists that are getting onto the road we want to try and get them off the road to keep them safe it's pretty cool and remember we had the ceo of cycling network uh, in this podcast a few months ago that's that's worth listening back to what he was predicting the post-covid uh, would be for how the explosion of people riding the pop-up riding uh, lanes and that sort of thing well have you noticed that even in the city and, and a few other suburbs, they're putting in their quasi-temporary, quasi-permanent um, concrete yep. b- blocks to, to put in the, the, the um, bike, bike lanes. lanes. Yeah, they're, they're staying. I hope so. I can't <laughs> imagine they are going to rip them up. You know, I think I hope so, I nearly got run over on the way, <laughs> on the normal yeah, yeah. lanes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've ridden with you, though. I'm just, yeah, jeez. Yeah, yeah, almost, anyway, almost that's got a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk cycling, professional cycling. What's coming up uh, in the next few days and weeks? Uh, you're heading to Sydney for the Paris-Nice. Uh, so I am. Big one. I am pumped, actually. That 
This is the first time, I can't believe this, the first time I'll be actually on a plane, covering, <laughs> on a plane in 12 months. I can't wait. I'm so excited. But I might be getting the lunch I'm back. I'm envious. <laughs> yeah. No, Paris, first time I'll be covering that, I think, ever. I think SBS has always shown it, but Matty Keane and you know, the man he always yep. is on the ground. So I'll be in the chair with Matty up in Sydney. So looking forward to that. So what are we looking for to Paris? Primoz Roglic, uh, prime... Contender, do you think? Yes. Uh, look, there's going to be a bunch of stars. And yep. Simon, you can talk about, I guess, the importance of this as an early season race for a number of riders who have different objectives. But I'll just mention three of the Aussies. Jai Hindley. Let's yep. not forget what he did last year. Here we there. Richie, of course, back for more. And Michael Matthews. So good bunch of Aussies. And then, as you said, a bunch of hitters. But how important is it for these guys training for the Ardennes, training for maybe the Giro, you know, it's it's an important tour. Yeah, Paris Nice is is for me where the the stage racing really kicks off the uh, in Europe. And Paris Nice is an important race because it's the first time that the GC riders are, are lining up against each other. Um, a lot of them off the back of their pre seasons. The classics guys are honing their form uh, at Paris Nice and and also Torino uh, for the upcoming classic season. And it's just a race where you can see there is such a large percentage of the peloton in top form. Um, so the standard of racing is very, very high. And when you won Milan San Remo, were you always doing Paris Nice as a build-up? Yeah, I pretty. Much, I think I did Paris Nice nearly every year yeah. of, of my of my racing career. I lined up in Torino maybe once or twice, but no, I was always doing Paris Nice. Yeah, because that's it's only what it's about. Well, it's one or two weeks Milan San Remo it's after a, the a, end. It's a following weekend. Following weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Torino is similar, isn't it? It's there's a few days overlap. Yeah, so Torino generally finishes, I think, around the Tuesday, yeah. and San Remo always used to be on on the Saturday, whereas uh, Paris Nice would finish on the Sunday. Richie this year uh, and Paris Nice, uh, he's got he's got a love affair with Paris Nice. Uh, Richie, uh, what can he do? Let's because ask, he's, let's he's ask back, the expert. He, yeah, he's back at Ineos. It's a new uh, sort of old outfit, new outfit for him, a new side of the car. What, what can we expect from uh, from Richie this year? Well, it, it'll be interesting to see how Richie's going at Paranese. He only just got back to Europe, I think, last weekend. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was in contact with him uh, the week before, and he mentioned to me he was flying out on on Friday, so he, so he could be there with enough time um, leading into into the race. I wonder if he brought the key of Launceston with him. That's <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He's lost it. He's lost the key. <laughs> he shut the door and went, "Oh damn, I left the key inside." Uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how how Richie's going and see. What role he takes in in the Ineos lineup could be good for him. You know what? As I think... in, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the travel just arriving. You know, sometimes you get to Europe, and if you get the timing right, you fly, or it takes you a month to get going. But it'll be interesting to see because he's, he's won Paris Nice twice, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I think what it'll come down to for Richie is the weather. Right. You know, I think Europe has just gone through a pretty cold snap. Ooh, so yeah. it's going to be a big contrast from coming from an Australian summer into a, a cold snap. No, he Europe. was in Tassie, mate. And <laughs> even, Tassie, <laughs> even Tassie, it's a bit, it's a bit different to, to, to France in, in March. But um, Rich is a guy who's traditionally never handled the cold very well. I think the, the addition to Paris Nice that he won in the past, I think he had a pretty good run uh, with the weather. So I think that'll play a big factor. But also just what role he slots into within within mm. the team. Um, I think Richie was really looking forward to going back to Ineos just so he could focus again on on being a mountains domestique. Mm. I think you see Richie over the years, and for me, he's been at his happiest when he's just been able to just tear it apart on the mountains for his team leader. And I think that's a role that he's probably pretty excited to get back to. Mm. 
Jai, Jai Hinley, uh, we saw what he did at the Giro. How do you rate his chances this year and in Paris and, and actually across the year? Where can we see Jai again uh, being that flamboyant? Well, I think in any stage race, you know, with, with some decent climbing in there, uh, Jay really come to his own in, in the Giro last year. And hopefully now he's sort of cemented his place as a, as a team leader uh, within his team and he's going to get more and more support. I'm not sure what sort of lineup the the DSM they're taking to Paris-Nice, but they're a team who generally give a lot of riders opportunity. So he's shown that he can do it without the full team behind him, but hopefully he gets a little bit more support than what he's had in the past. And Balde in that team as well this year. Would be interesting to see how this actually changing the dynamic of that team. Well, Roman Bardet, he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic rider. A lot of experience, and he's a he's a super nice guy. And I think he's a guy that um, Jai can learn a heck of a lot from. So I think if those two sort of partner up and do a, a similar racing program, uh, we'll see really Jai take the next level in his career as well. That's cool. It uh, is anything else, uh, Maka? Oh, there's a few little snippets. Uh, the Phil Liggett Docco yes. is, has it landed in Australia? I think it has just. I'm not too sure. Um, I've, seen the, I've seen the trailer. Look, I want to see that doco. And look, you know what? Even if I'm given and I, I wasn't, it's not a shout out to the producers, but sometimes producers send us the link so we can see it before. Uh, but I will not watch it. Uh, I think I want to see it sitting in a cinema. Oh, actually, really? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Oh, no, I would have. I didn't <laughs> but you're a cheapskate. Yeah, exactly. Cheap so. uh, no, no, look, growing up, um, Phil was... I used to mimic his words. He's, we all know him. He, Come on, he, do it. Make no, his yours. Do it. No, no. But look, he, he's a legend of the sport and he deserves to have a doco personally on him. There is there is one little snippet, though, I think, in it, and I, I won't quote the word for word because I don't know exactly, but he mentions Lance and he says something like, you know, he he, um, he, he would have, he could have won the Tour de France without drugs. The, the polarising comments that go either way, mm-hmm. just um, you know, snippets on social media, etc. And this is going away from Liggett for a second. Lance Armstrong is still so <laughs> polarising. It is unbelievable how polarising this guy is. You think, you know, it's like a... It's like a germ that just won't leave. <laughs> it still hangs or, around. Or a rush that just don't go away. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's incredible. What do you make of it, Simon? Well, I think, you know, credit to, to Phil get And I'm looking forward to seeing his documentary. Obviously, we're, we're speaking about that first and foremost. But if there's a way to grab some headlines for your documentary, <laughs> it's to mention someone that's as years, polarizing that's as That's in the business for Phil. He knows how to do oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the trailer... The trailer yeah. It gives you goosebumps. But there's also, say. you know, so many touching moments yeah. you know, when he, when he's, you see him left alone in the commentary box and, and talking about the past and uh, that, that, that is touching in itself. Oh, it's touching because, you know, most of us know Phil reasonably well. Yeah. We knew Paul quite well. You know, they are, they, they were, as a great guys, and I'm not talking about their commentary. I'm just talking about them yeah. as people. And the first time I think I did a, a post-production commentary was with Phil. Mm. And I'm in the in the box with him thinking, oh, my God, I'm, I'm commentating with Phil Liggett. And I made all those rookie mistakes. And I was so excited. I was, you know, jumping the gun on certain things because it was post-production. And to this day, I'll never forget it. Phil made me feel so calm. And he just said, don't worry, mate. We got we got all the time in the world. Post production, we'll just do it again, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's that's how I'll remember the Phil Liggett. You know, not just his commentary, but him as a person. But there's the element of Paul Sherwin that we oh, we absolutely totally. want to also see in this yeah. because I mean they they were I think the longest sport commentary duo 
in the world. Not just cycling. Not no, just cycling. Probably right. Overall in any yes. sport. Yeah. Uh, and actually, Phil comes up with some couple of quotes in the trailer where he says, I never thought the old one would be, still be there and then the youngest one would be gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's very touching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really want to see no, that. special. Yeah. I actually, at the Tour de France last year, being in the, in the media compound for the first time, it was incredible how much everybody still spoke about Phil and Paul in yep. the media compound, and and they weren't there. Obviously, obviously Paul's not there, but Phil was was doing some commentary based from from his home um, just outside of London. But they're still front front of mind for so many people mm. in that space, and I think it's going back to the the legacy that they have with the sport, um, being that uh, the oldest sort of sports commentary team in in going around. Um, and yeah, I th- I'm really looking forward to seeing the documentary, see how it touches on that mm. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else, make up? Uh, I'm looking. Uh, I tell you what. Yes, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, one more thing. I saw Carol Cook, multiple world champ, uh, Paralympian, yep. and uh, I saw her out the other morning. And I said to her, "I said, how's it going? How's the training going?" I see her quite a few mornings because we we go on the same roads here in Melbourne. And she said, "Good, good." She said, "We've got a pre-Olympic trial in the next month, so this is all the para athletes have a pre-Olympic trial." She's a bit nervous. She said, "There's." I think she said there's nine women for six slots or seven slots. Two or three are going to miss out or something like that. So it's it's pretty tight. And I said, the Olympics are going to happen. I said, it's all it was just a speed bump, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago? And she said, they are happening. Yeah. She said, they are happening. She said, I'm a writer's rep for the on the Olympic committee. She said, no, no, they're happening. It is full steam ahead. So that's good. That's confidence for the, for the athletes, you would think. And um, as we know, the... I always talk about the track cyclists in the able-bodied. They don't get to race much. Mm. So this is their massive pinnacle. In in some of these athletes too, they won't go on to make road careers. Um, So the track is, you know, the Olympics, I should say, is everything for them. So fingers crossed it it does happen. As an athlete's perspective, you can't have any other mindset. You have to be 100% focused on, on your goal and going to that mm. event because if you start to waver, oh, maybe it's not even going to happen, I'm not going to bother about doing today's training session or you know, I'm not going to commit to the same way that I, uh, I would because there's that linger of doubt, all of a sudden if it does happen, your performances aren't going to be the same. So I think you have to be laser focused on the event happening and if at the 11th hour it, it gets cancelled, so be it. You've left, no, you've, in the yeah. you've left no stone unturned. <laughs> not yeah. but be not no, <laughs> nothing worse than getting there and going, oh, it's happening now and I have another right preparation because I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll so be interesting, won't it? It's yeah. great that Carol has that mindset. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. She's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was great to have you, uh, Gero. Thank, Thank you for coming. Yourself. Uh, Mike, yeah, it was great as well. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for a sledge then. No, no, good to be back. Pumped about the races ahead uh, coming up. Looking Dainese, forward to it. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for excellent. coming. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for me. Before we go, a quick shout-out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.